There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm Gentry Estes, alongside our Titans beat writer, Eric Bacharach. We're previewing, we, we are previewing week two against the Jaguars, and in this episode, we're going to be asking whether the Jags are for real after upsetting the Colts last week. Also, Eric, we're going to have to talk about it. Probably not a great topic for the Titans after week one, but we're going to have to talk about what happened with Steven Goskowski and the kid. Mm-hmm. And we'll uh, offer a few predictions for this week's home opener as well. Eric, let's let's start with the, with the Jags, though. I, that was, you know, this is a team that everybody kind of thought was tanking this year, and then they go beat the Colts in the first week. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, on the flip side of that, I think – there were some lofty expectations for the Colts, you know, bringing in Phillip Rivers, uh, what he would do for that offense. You know, I, I think a lot of people, I, I saw the, the Colts, you know, in power rankings as high as like 10 or so. Um, so, you know, people had high hopes for them. And then, as you said, uh, you know, I saw some people predicting 0 and 16 for the Jaguars. So it was, it was, you know, honestly a, a shocking result. But I think the question of are the Jaguars for real is legitimate to me, Gentry, just watching that game, watching, you know, having a chance to watch that unfold. You know, my thought is that I, I kind of have a, a, a similar feel on the Jaguars as I did the Broncos. Definitely less, you know, I think there's there's much more potential with, with the Broncos. But I think the Jaguars are a young team with, you know, some exciting talent that, you know, was on display against the Colts, I, I just feel like it's going to be erratic from week to week. You know, I think it's, it's, it's not going to be a consistent product with, with all the new guys they have, you know, they were relying heavily on some rookies who, who performed well against the Colts, you know, James Robinson undrafted rookie kind of came out of nowhere and, and ran for 62 yards for them, had a big game, you know, CJ Henderson had a, an interception, obviously Minshew, um, you know, was 95% accurate on his passes. And, and I will say that, you know, a lot of those were, were kind of dinks and dunks and he didn't look downfield all that much, but you know, a lot of those were, were pretty good throws from what I saw. So, you know, I, I think you got to respect that if you're the Titans, are they for real? Are they a contender to me? No, but can they, are they capable of, of upsetting, you know, anyone? I, I think that that's certainly on the table after what we saw this past week. Yeah, I mean, as much as any NFL team is, I think I, I think that first game, and I didn't really get to see much of it. I, I wish I had at, at the time. It was I don't to, side note, but I don't know why uh, the NFL TV rules wouldn't show divisional opponents in Nashville. As instead, we got uh, the Dolphins and the Patriots. TV, TV rules are annoying. Yeah, so I'm not really sure why why the Dolphins and the Patriots were the choice there, but <laughs> in, in any event. It, it, to me, said probably more about the Colts than it did the Jaguars. I, I think the, the Colts probably lost that game a little more than the Jaguars won it. But, you know, the Jaguars, and you saw this late last season, you know, I think they're being written off. You know, you're, you're getting rid of some of your top players, and that, that, that reeks of tanking for Trevor Lawrence. It does. And I don't not saying that would be the worst play, really, for them at this point would be to tank for Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, but – um, I, you know, what the Jaguars have going for them right now is a good young quarterback. He, he seems to have something about Minshew, and I was kind of a doubter a lot of last season, and I'm, I, there's still a lot to be seen there. But, but if nothing else, his teammates believe in him. 
he's shown that late in games several times uh, that he can perform in the clutch and that his teammates believe that he's going to perform in the clutch and he seems to get the best out of them. To an extent, I think the Titans have that with Ryan Tannehill. I think mm-hmm. you saw that late in the game in Denver, and I think that's one thing the Jacks have going for them. With Mitchu, but they their their roster. If you really look at what they've got compared to the Titans, this game should not be close to me. It shouldn't. I, I guess that would take us gentry to the next point, which is you know the ongoing nightmare for the Titans at at kicker. You know the Titans have not cut Stephen Goskowski. We were talking about this before we got on. We feel like if if that was gonna happen, it would have happened immediately afterward. Cairo Santos last year after going 0 for 4 against the Bills, was cut the day uh, after that nightmare. And, and, you know, things continued to stay nightmarish for the Titans after that. But, you know, I, I think Goskowski's track record here counts for, for something. You know, it, it's still crazy and, and um, unbelievable, honestly, that he could enter a game as he did in week one for the Titans, number five overall on, on the all-time uh, list for for most accurate kickers and finish that game at number nine. That's that's impressive, honestly. Just just to be able to fall that far in one game, uh, and of course it would come, you know, with the Titans after after what happened last season. But uh, you know, he he's a guy that I think his track record counts for for something right now. Uh, I think the biggest question is how much did that hip injury that he had last year? He had surgery on it in October how much did that affect things? And, and I don't think it really affected his strength per se, because, you know, he got a couple of touchbacks. It didn't look like he was short on field goals during warmups. He was hitting 55 yarders, uh, you know, was at, at the game in Denver and, and we saw him hit those, you know, right down the middle. Uh, and he missed, uh, you know, the kicks that he missed were, were wide, right, wide left, you know, not by that much. It wasn't like a, a total shank and he had another one blocked you know, so uh, he was asked after the game if he, if he felt like he overcompensated. He said no. He was aiming right down the middle. You know, I, I couldn't tell if, uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell if it was something technical, something mechanical that he was doing. But, you know, I, I do think kicking is, is, you know, very much a mental thing. And, you know, I, I could see how things start to snowball, even for a guy with as much experience in high-pressure situations as Goskowski. I don't know. It, to me, it just feels like the Titans are totally snake-bitten at that position. And, you know, they could – bring in Justin Tucker tomorrow and, and he would still find a way to go, you know, one for four. I know it, it, it you know, when he misses the extra point, that's when you're like, okay, yeah, there, there's a real problem here. And it, it's not going to, I mean, credit to him for going out and, and making that last kick. I mean, there was at least a bright spot to all this, but um, he would have been gone tomorrow if, if that had happened. Cairo Santo style. I agree. And, you know, and I think if you remember that the Titans scored a touchdown at seven seven on fourth and goal, and you have to believe it that that's at least part of that decision is thinking, hey, we you know you get a touchdown, then he misses the extra point, it was kind of validated that decision. I I mean it's it's awful, Eric. We've been talking about it since last season. The, this is a team that has not been able to reliably make a field goal now for more than you know more than one season. Right. It's especially not advisable given how they play. We've talked about this before. This is a team that wants to run the ball, ball control. You know, they you need a good kicker for that, and they don't have it. You need to be able to turn your drives into points because you're gonna they're gonna eat up a lot of time when when you get it together, and you're not going to have a lot of possessions to score quick, quick, quick the way some of these other teams do. You need a good kicker. You need to be able to turn those into three when it's there to be had. 
Uh, it's it's a it's a big problem, and mm-hmm. I mean they can they can continue to go with Goskowski, and that's fine. Like you said, I'm not sure who they bring in at this point that 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 would be any better. But I, I don't I don't know I don't know about it. he can't. You know, this is a pressure packed position, and he goes into week two with every bit as much pressure on him as any kicker in the league because if sure. it happens again, he's done. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the Titans should have won by double digits in, in Denver. And it's not like they were they were 50-plus yarders. They were 47, 44, 42, and then the extra point. So, you know, he was missing on kicks that NFL, maker, NFL kickers should be making every time. As far as options elsewhere, you know, that that's the big question is who else could they bring in here that would give you some semblance of consistency. Greg Joseph for now is, is off the table. You know, he's, he's on the practice squad for the bucks and they've designated him as one of the protected practice squad players. They can do that with four guys this year. Uh, they did bring in Steven Hauschka reportedly at the same time they were looking at Goskowski, you know, another I, I think Tucker guy. McCann, I think Tucker McCann would be the option. Yeah. That, I was, I was getting to that. McCann is the guy that, you know, he, he's, he's the in-house option. He's on the practice squad, undrafted rookie. I think he, Gentry, to me, I, I think he surprised in training camp a little bit because I think people expected Greg Joseph to sort of run away with that position battle before Goskowski was brought in here. Uh, but to McCann's credit, he, he hung tough. He was right there with Greg Joseph in that competition. Um, and now he's on the practice squad. And, uh, you know, last year at one point the Titans went into – a game with two kickers on the active roster in Ryan Suckup and, and Ryan Santoso. And I remember I think, that. Which the, was, esteemed, the esteemed era of Ryan Santoso. Yeah, yeah, which lasted <laughs> all of, I think, maybe two weeks. Uh, he was brought into, you know, primarily as a bigger leg because Suckup was really struggling on, on touchbacks. Uh, and lo and behold, Santoso ended up struggling on touchbacks too. So there was some irony there and, and you know, a testament to just how nothing can go right for the Titans at this position. But, you know, Mike Rabel asked about two kickers on the roster potentially for this upcoming week. He, you know, he kind of gave his everything is on the table type of answer. But I think that's that's a plausible solution. We'll see how tight they are at other positions and if, you know, that, that spot, you know, is better served elsewhere. But, you know, I think if you go into the game and Goskowski, you know, shanks a 40-yarder, I think at that point you'd probably hope you have Tucker McCann available to you. And, and I will say that I, I think in, in a lot of the responses I saw from, from the game on Monday night, I, I, I think the Titans played better for the most part than they got credit for. And, and the big reason is because the kicker cost them 10 points. I mean, it's a I totally agree. different, it's a totally different game. If he makes those field goals, if, if I don't think it's close late. Yeah, I think I think missing the field goals and then the Rashawn Evans getting ejected, I, I think that you know turns any win into a super ugly one. Um, and I think that that's really you know it's what stole the headlines and it's what kind of sticks out when you think about the game. I, I don't think you know the run game was especially effective, but it, it grinded. You know, 116 yards on the ground for Derrick Henry is nothing to scoff at. You know, I, I think there's things to clean up. But I, I think when you consider everything, you no know, preseason games playing in Denver where they were 18 and two in their last 20 home games to begin a season. You know, I think all those factors combined, I, I, I was mostly encouraged by the performance aside from, you know, the, the kicking debacle and obviously Rashawn Evans. Uh, for me, it was mostly offensively that I thought they were impressive. I, I think you saw the continuity of a team who had a lot of players back on that side of the ball, as well as Arthur Smith. Uh, they seemed to, 
to pick up pretty well. Uh, the way that game set up, Vic Fangio did not allow big plays. So everything the Titans got, boy, they had to earn it. I yep. mean, you're, they nickel and dimed it the whole way down the field, and you really have to be pretty sharp to be able to continually do that over and over. It's a credit to Tannehill. It's a credit to Arthur Smith and the receivers that they were able to continue to do that. Henry played his role as well. They really got everyone involved offensively, and I think that's about as good a start as you can have given you're talking about a team that was going to rely so much on Derrick Henry, and now you know you go into the playoffs where the receivers hardly touch the ball. Well, everybody got all kinds of targets in the first game. Everybody mm-hmm. They got rolling offensively about as well as I think you could have possibly expected in Denver where they didn't score a point last year. Yeah, I think – I think Gentry, if, if they had like one explosive play from Adrian Brown, like maybe like a 40 yarder, I think that the discussion after the game, I, I think it's a lot different. I, I think that's the one thing that was missing, but I totally agree. I mean, he targeted 10 different players, four of which uh, got seven targets. That was AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, John o. Smith, you know, the usual suspects, you know, so we did a really good job of getting everybody involved. I think that's the type of offense this could be where, you have a bunch of different guys contributing, but it was missing that that explosive element, um, you know, that was so critical down the stretch for the Titans last year. I think if they had one or two plays like that in, in Denver, I, I just think that the conversation afterward is different, honestly. I, I think that was a big part of it. So I, I just going off of that gentry, now we look at week two, your prediction for, for Titans Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Titans win this game. I, I, I see nothing. I know the Jaguars had a good result first week, and, and that that's great. I, I think that was a good result for the Titans, quite frankly. I think the Texans and the Colts opening with losses are pretty good for the Titans after they yep. get a nail-biter nail in Denver. So, um, you know, if the Jaguars start 2-0, and I guess that's not so good for the Titans, but I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Jaguars are good enough to do this. Um, you know, much like going to Denver, I said going into that game, I felt like the lack of fans, the lack of home field advantage was going to be, you know, look, if you're going to play at Mile High Stadium, that was the, this was the week to do it. Mm-hmm. Because it it's, it's less of an advantage than probably the Denver's ever had before by not having fans there. The Titans are going to deal with that too, but I just feel like it's different at Nissan. Uh, that's, that's not a knock on anybody. It's just there are certain stadiums you're like, man, I got to go there. And I don't know if Nissan's one of those. You know, I don't know if it'll hurt. No, the I agree. So your, your prediction by score looks like is 31 to 16, which would imply a field goal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I guess I, so. <laughs> I, I said, uh, I said 28, 23 intentionally implying that no field goals would be made. And listen, yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I, you're, I, you're implying they're going to make every extra point though. That's true. That, that is, <laughs> that is quite a leap in itself. You're right. Uh, I, I will say just going off of that, that the Titans red zone offense, you know, if there's one silver lining in the whole kicking debacle, it's that the red zone offense has been great with Ryan Tannehill. You know, it's part of the reason they only attempted 18 field goals last season. I do also think a part of that is, is when you have, kickers struggling like they do you're more inclined to go for it so you you kick less field goals but my prediction is 28 23 I, I think the Jaguars are capable of keeping it close I think we saw that last week I think Minshew I think the poise factor with him is is real I think you know I, we spoke a bunch last year about his swagger and all that and I think he's got a good young receiving core at his disposal I, I think they keep it relatively close but I could see them getting some garbage time points to, to make it 
closer than it seems. I do think this is a game that the Titans win with relative ease. I, I think it's important for the Titans to do that, I, I, for them to play well. I, I think doing so would would kind of confirm – you know where where this team is supposed to be, and starting two and zero for the first time in quite a while, I, I think is a, you know, no matter how it happened in Denver, it was still a win. But I think as you go into the second game, if you got to squeak by again against a, a quite frankly a worse team and maybe the worst team in the NFL, or at least was supposed to be, um, then I think you would start saying, okay, maybe there'd be some problems here. I think the Titans need to win as easily as they're supposed to in this game and then take that into Minnesota with them. Yeah. And then listen, after, you know, just looking around the, the rest of the conference, uh, excuse me, the division, the Texans host the Ravens. That's a tough game. And the Colts uh, host the Vikings, you know, so I, I think it could very easily be two Oh and two teams out of that. Yeah. And, and I, I think as far as starts go, it's hard to, to ask for more, if, if you're the Titans right now, I, I think the Jaguars beating the Colts was big. And I think, you know, at least one of these uh, two AFC South teams is going to lose, uh, you know, uh, even at home in a tough game. So I, I think, you know, the, the goal for the Titans this year to me has to be to win the division. And I think, uh, you know, just two weeks in, I think the stars are aligning, obviously a long way to go, but it's it's a good start for the Titans. Well, and I think what you're seeing too with the te- – like the Texans – you bring in David Johnson and you, and you lose DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins goes off. He proves he's you know, on Sunday as, as good as, as he's ever been. They have like 14 catches, 100-something yards. He went crazy. Well, he helped the, helped the Cardinals beat the 49ers. Yeah. But, uh, but with, with the Texans, I, I think they're suffering from that, but they're suffering from the fact that there were changes. This was such a weird preseason that the Colts and the Texans both brought in new, new, new pieces offensively, and I think you're – you're seeing that not be seamless because they just haven't had the chance to work together. It's a huge advantage for the Titans right now. It really, really is. I, I don't know that many teams. Uh, there, there were sharp offenses this first weekend, maybe more so than expected, really. Uh, the passing games did pretty well, and I think this, the defense has struggled to keep up. But I don't know how many teams in the league could have done what the, the Titans did at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. You know, on the length of the field – uh, let's keep in mind a good defense, a very good defensive coach who they're dealing with, and and like the lack of big plays. I think Denver had a lot to do with that, but the Titans, rather than change up what they wanted to do, they played that game and then beat them at it. That's uh, I was I was tr- I was truly encouraged by that. I'm not. They couldn't have done that for a lot of last season, and I think th- you're seeing a real improvement there. And I think it has to do with having a lot of guys back. Yeah, I I think. In this year, especially, I completely agree. I think the continuity, familiarity factor, you know, for any teams that have it, is is the biggest thing going for them. I think that's honestly a part of the reason why you saw the Jaguars beat the Colts. It was one quarterback who, you know, had a year in the system versus one who didn't, and I think Menchu really took advantage of that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they stack up at Nissan on Sunday. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of Talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast as well on iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. We'd love five stars. Uh, for Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes, and thanks for joining us. Talking Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talking Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talking Titans is a production of the Tennessean.